Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, everybody. You thinking about starting a new website? Maybe you have a new small business idea and want to sell something online. Or maybe you want to show off your photography. Or maybe, just maybe, you, too, want to start a new podcast. GoDaddy is offering one new or transferred.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Each new .com comes with a free instant page website and built-in photo album. So what are you waiting for? Get your website started today. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter code HAPPY. That's happy. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter code HAPPY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website. That's ZaneDunn.com. So go to GoDaddy.com and enter HAPPY or go to ZaneDunn.com and click on the banner on our page and get that website started right now. Speaking of starting right now, it's showtime. Yes, indeed. It is happy hour. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We're very excited about today's show. I'm Dan Dunn. Zane Lamprey, I don't know where he is. Maybe he'll show up at some point today. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But I can tell you who will be here today. Actor Harry Lennox. Harry Lennox has been in everything, man. I mean, he's been in Ray and The Matrix. He's now currently starring on the NBC hit show The Blacklist with James Spader. Uh, Harry is going to be with us in just a few minutes, and I couldn't be happier. What else? I'm uh, sipping. I'm doing a little sipping on some scotch right now. In particular, Lafroig. We've had it. Let me... Hmm. Lafroig's in Isla Malt. It's one of my favorites. I know Zane loves it, too. We've both been there, actually. It's on Isla, which is a little island off the west coast of Scotland. And uh, I'm drinking this Lafroig because I'm getting ready for Thursday. This Thursday, Lafroig Live. That's Thursday, September 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Lafroig Live. What is Lafroig Live? Well, it's a chance for whiskey fans everywhere to uh, be part of the, the live online whiskey tasting with a bunch of experts. Uh, this is the seventh annual Lafroig Live. Last year's Lafroig Live reached over two and a half million people. Uh, if you want to be part of this, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, you're going to go to www.lafroig.com slash live. Lafroig is spelled L-A-P-H-R-O-A-I-G. Scottish people. Weird spellings. Lafroig.com slash live. Uh, so what's going to happen is this. It's going to be about a 45-minute live stream. It's going to feature a panel of experts sampling four whiskeys and highlighting these whiskeys' ties to America. Uh, they're going to be stepping back in time to the Prohibition era and tracing the heritage to the booming whiskey cocktail scene and help create. This year's panel consists of Lafroig master distiller John Campbell, one of the best, most respected distillers in the business. Bourbon ambassador Adam Harris, renowned mixologist and founder of Ward 3, Michael J. Neff, and uh, GQ's web editor, Kevin Simtumwang. I have a hard time saying that name. Simtumwang. Kevin. 
Simon Brookings is also going to be part of the festivities. Simon is the master master ambassador for Lafroig. Uh, and this is a one-of-a-kind experience. I mean, they're going to be, uh, you're going to have a front-row seat while this panel tastes and discusses Lefroy Quartercast, Lefroy QA, Makers 46, and Lefroy Kierdes. 2013. I mean, this is a chance to see kind of the... Zane and I get to inhabit this world all the time. We go to tastings with some of the best people in the business. We're right there, sitting through it, getting their notes, and, and it really is a unique experience, and, and I think it's it, it's a great chance to kind of see how it works and really learn a lot. I mean, you want to learn a lot about whiskey, you're going to learn a lot at Lafroig Live. Uh, they're going to broadcast this show from onboard a Hudson River barge, an original Hudson River barge. It's 99 years old, so this thing seen, you know, stuff come and go, cargo into New York for almost a century. So this Thursday, September 26, you're going to log on to lefroig.com slash live to watch the show at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can follow them on Twitter at Lafroig USA. Uh, that's at Lafroig USA, L-A-P-H-R-O-A-I-G USA uh, on the Twitter and if you want to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash USA and like that, and it's a great thing. I'm excited about it. So, somebody sent me a link to a video that I find very funny. <laughs> and we posted it up on zanedunn.com. you got to go check it out. But essentially, it's, it's in Australia. These guys go to their buddy's place with a bunch of kegs of beer. They take about 18 kegs of beer to the uh, friend's house while he's out. Him and his wife are out. <clears throat> Excuse me. The frog makes me burp. That's a good thing. Hold on. Mm. So they go, and a couple of these guys are plumbers. And they essentially go in, and they take these kegs, and they, and they hook it up to his plumbing so that all of the faucets in the house uh, are, are now dispatching beer instead of water okay uh, it's a very funny video zanedunn.com here let's check out a little bit of this right here they are <laughs> this is it boys this is us everybody's here so there's about there's about 20 of these guys so they're unloading this beer all the boys gearing up <laughs> Bit of a prank on our brother Russ. Yep. Basically, ideas. We're plumbing his whole house with beer. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's going to come home, and it's going to get awesome. Get him in there, boys. So now they start taking these kegs underneath the house. They're taking all these kegs of beer under the house, and uh, and they, they they start hooking it up. All right. So uh, let me see where we're at here now. We need finishing touches there. Yeah. So now they're in the Proper kitchen. Position. Need to let it run first. Run in the water. Here we go. Work for it. The bartender. <laughs> we need to put the plug in. Stop wasting beer, Trim. <laughs> There's beer coming out of the kitchen sink. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Cheers, Russ. Is it cold? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> so so then these guys are. I mean, in the bathroom, uh, in the kitchen, any place, any any faucet in the house. Now there's there's really good looking beer coming out too. So now they go and they they hook up uh, TV cameras so they can watch this guy's reaction when uh, when him and his wife get home. Uh, it's a lot. I mean, this is an elaborate 
an elaborate prank, but I think uh, one of the better ones I've ever seen. So let's see. Yes, it's a case. So he should. Oh, he yeah. should be. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. You look like a possum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, couch is perfect. So they got it all hooked all right, up. Now they're, now they're making the house look normal again. They are over at um, Wake at the moment, coming home. Well, they're coming home. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, and we're just gonna watch it all unfold. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> the reason you guys are here is at the end of this. Once Russ has been under the house, because we know, well, he'll pull on those other doors, <laughs> get under the house, work out what's going on. Once he gets back inside, I'll knock at the door, and we're going to be all out on the front. <laughs> okay, so now they get the camera hooked up, and they're waiting near him and the wife come home. So now the guy goes, and first thing is she, all right, here's the wife. She goes, and she turns on the sink. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy's watching him on camera. <laughs> now he's going into the bathroom. <laughs> Alright, so now the guy goes under the house and they got a camera under there and he and he sees the kegs. And while he's doing that, all his buddies sneak out in front of the house. Now they're going to do the big reveal. Here it comes. <laughs> now that's a prank. That's a, a, a Tyler. Have you ever gone to such lengths to do to prank a friend, replumb the entire house? That's a serious prank. That is a, a lot of expense when it went into that prank, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't done anything like that. Hell of a lot of planning, too. Uh, yeah, I'm from Philly. We're not that creative. We just punch our friends. That's a prank. You punch them in the head or something like that. But um, we got that We got that video up. A guy finds his house plumbed with beer. Full-length version. We have that up on ZaneDunn.com. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to have Harry Lennox, actor Harry Lennox, join us. I want to let you know that I, a little later in the show, through the magic of time travel, I'm going to be throwing to myself a segment featuring myself in Mexico. I haven't even recorded it yet. I'm not even in Mexico right now, but I will be by the time this airs. Did I just blow your mind? I think I just blew your mind. Uh, I'm going down to Tequila, tour Tequila Distilleries. I've been down there a bunch. Yes, Tyler. Dan, you need to put the bong down. I know. No, I hit the bong before I got on the show. Every show. Uh, no. No bong for me. It's just Lafroig whiskey. Drinking it. And remember, Lafroig Live Thursday. Check it out. Before we get to Harry Lennox, I want to tell you about uh, FanDuel.com. You know, you listen to the show, you've, you know that I've been playing FanDuel. Zane's been playing FanDuel. And we've been having a good time with it. I won some money. I don't think Zane knows what he's doing. He doesn't know much about football. But um, we got, you know, uh, week four of uh, football season coming up. And uh, it's a great time to start playing FanDuel. FanDuel.com is the place for one-week fantasy football leagues for real money. There's no season-long commitment, no upfront fees. You just, every week or whenever you want to play, it's up to you. You just set a new lineup, and it's based on a salary cap, and you win money immediately that week. If you win, you get that money right away. You get paid out. I know I did it in week one, and I want money. Gas money for me. I didn't win, you know, I win that much but there is a lot to be won i can tell you that they're paying out more than 135 million dollars this year can't win any of that money if you don't sign up so you got to sign up today 
Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code ZANE, Z-A-N-E, and sign up. Uh, there's a new user special, special for people to listen to this show. First 200 listeners to sign up will have their deposit matched up to $200. You put in $200, they'll match it $200. Uh, but you have to enter the code ZANE when you join, Z-A-N-E, FanDuel.com. Don't forget to click that microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use the code ZANE. Okay, I think it's time we uh, we get to... Man, this guy, is, he's such a great actor, he's, he's, and he's a good friend, and... and and uh, um, Blacklist looks like a great show with James Spader. Uh, let's let's go to our chat with Harry Lennox. Well, you're the guest who makes it fun on Happy Hour with Zane and Dunn. Yeah. So on the phone with me right now, a guy I'm, I'm a, a, not only a fan of, but I'd like to think a friend of. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would definitely All say right, that. okay. Uh, Mr. Harry Lennox. Harry, how you doing, man? Dan, I'm doing great, man. It's great to talk to you. I'm glad that we're talking because I know that you're a big fan of, of uh, sports, so I want to get into a bunch of that stuff as we, we got continue, a bu- uh, particularly the Floyd Mayweather fight. We got a bunch <laughs> of stuff to talk about now. Now, Harry, uh, Harry, you are in, I'm, uh, you're in New York City right now because you are on a show called The Blacklist, which premiered last night by the time this show airs it premiered last night on nbc and i'm sure it did huge ratings big numbers it's you james spader is uh is the star of the show uh tell us a little bit about the blacklist and what you're playing uh harold cooper is your character on the blacklist that is correct uh harold cooper is the assistant director of counterterrorism for the fbi and uh red reddington who james spader plays is a master criminal, used to work for the United States Navy, I think went rogue, and has turned himself in to under my uh, uh, aegis, and, but he'll only speak to a certain FBI profile. She's brand new on the job. We don't know her. She doesn't know him, but his stipulation is that he will help us find people on what he calls a blacklist. That is, people who the FBI would be most interested in knowing about and apprehending because they represent some form of threat uh, to the United States. So in exchange for a certain amount of mobility and access to this young profiler, Megan Boone plays the character. Okay. Uh, he will he will give us valuable information, valuable leads. Now, uh, you, have you worked with Spader before? I've never worked with James Spader uh, until we did the pilot back in March. Uh, that was the first time I'd worked with him, but I had seen and admired his work for many years. His tremendous actor and uh all of that is being borne out every day on set great and now you uh you speaking of tremendous actors man you've been in i mean you know we you you did my show in, in the past we went over all this stuff but I, every time i look at the your list of film film and tv credits i mean man you've been working a yeah. lot and for a long long time what's the secret well i think you know uh you know, if you look at somebody like Robert Ory, who played basketball for a long time, or Bernard Hopkins, who boxed for a long time, uh, a lot of those guys box for a long time or do things that uh, Ray Lewis, of course, for football, what keeps them valuable is not so much that people just want to have some old relic around, but that they need some, they have a skill that not everybody has. So I've kept myself, sort of artistically speaking, in, in good shape. Um, I've done a broad range of projects across a, a vast array of genre and uh, and, and medium. Uh, 
So, you know, if there's a play on, I'll do a play. If there's a, a radio play on, I'll do that. If there's a movie being made, then, you know, I'll do that. But I bring certain things to the table. Uh, for example, you know, uh, I'm a great DH. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So you need, if you need a hit in the ninth inning, uh, then you're gonna you'll want to think about putting me on the team. Okay, I like that analogy. Let me let me do this. I'm gonna play try something here since I'm looking at this long, extensive list of credits. I'm gonna throw out a couple of things you've been in, and you just tell me the first word or couple of words that come to mind about that. A very just your initial impression of that experience. Okay. Here we go. Okay. The Five Heartbeats, 1991's The Five Heartbeats. Yes. I remember hearing that I got the part. I was over the moon. Uh, That was my first big job in a movie ever. And uh, to be one of those five guys uh, and acting with somebody like, you know, Michael Wright and doing a, you know, who's a masterful actor and uh, doing something which has endured, you know, for a very long time, we knew when we were making it, that it would have resonance, you know, to, to generations to come, and it has. So I knew what it was in. I knew what I, what I was in when I did it, and uh, I was thrilled. And uh, I remember just being like a, a kid in a candy store. It was fantastic. Okay. How about ER? ER, yeah, I remember that. I was, uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember what year that was. I think it was 1997, I think it was, in yeah, 97. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, I had just done a movie called Get on the Bus with Spike Lee. Um, it was a year after the Million Man March, and, and, uh, and right after that, there was this audition for ER. And, uh, you know, I was there with about three other guys, uh, both of whom went on to have some big career. David Allen Greer was one of them and uh, of Isaiah Washington. Who's I got a new Blue movie Capri. out right now. Yeah. Got, uh, yeah. Blue Caprice. Blue Looks Caprice. very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Looks very interesting. Yeah. So I remember uh, I thought the girl was pretty, you know, Gloria Rubin. Basically, the part was to play her love interest. Uh, but I was excited about it. It was cool. By that time, I had, you know, some, some years on me, so. It was a gig, and I was more excited probably about the money than anything else. <laughs> but, uh, but she was cool, too, you know, so it yeah. was a good time. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about, now, I don't, The Human Stain, did you have a, the, the Anthony Hopkins movie? Was it a small part in that, or was it? Uh... Very small part. I played, I'm only in two scenes, one one somewhat extensive and the other one uh, rather small where I die on a train. But that was my second time working with Hopkins. I was thrilled to work with Robert Benton, the great director who directed Places in the Heart, of course. Sure. And uh, and, and, um, and some other wonderful So He's just a great director, very great uh, man. And to also be able to play Anthony Hopkins' dad, uh, that was that was a, a great kick, you know, because I worked with Hopkins on uh, on the movie Titus. Okay. Where he played Titus Andronicus, and I played Aaron the Moor. And so to be teamed up with him, as it were, again, as his father, ironically, was uh, was was a great thrill. It's a great book by Philip Roth, The Human Stain. Yep, I had read it and uh, enjoyed it very much. I thought it uh, said some very interesting things about race in America and the perception of race. Uh, the Hopkins character is playing a black man who's passing for white and who's done so very successfully for decades. And so they go back in time. So that's right up my alley. I have great interest in. Um, in American cultural affairs and the race struggle uh, history in the United States, and uh, to see that dramatized by such sure hands uh, was it was a great honor, and I was glad to be a part of it. 
You also had a, uh, you, a nice part in the uh, Matrix uh, Reloaded and Matrix yep. Revolutions, right? Commander Locke. Uh, that was that was a pretty. Uh, it must have been a pretty intense experience, I imagine. It was over the course of about a year and a half. You know, uh, that's how long it took really to make both the video games and the two movies. Um, it was kind of a way of life. It was more than just a project when you're there for that long with those people. I think I wound up doing two or three other projects during that time because I was on and off, so so to say. Sure. But it was, uh, you know, when you're, you know, I loved. I was such a fan of the first movie, and I and, it, and I knew that if it had anything uh, in there like that, that we would be talked about, you know, again for years to come. It's a, it's an industry changing, trend setting trilogy that I think very few uh, movies of that genre have not in some way been influenced by since okay. that. So, uh, you know, we knew, again, we knew what it was. Uh, it, I think it underperformed in terms of its box office or whatever. Uh, but, you know, at that time, at the same time, the box office numbers were starting to uh, mean different things because that was the advent of people getting most of their content from digital uh, direct to consumers, pay per view. Yeah. So the movie did, of course, very, 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 very well, and the trilogy did well. So it, in a lot of ways, it, it was a predictor. It was a leader of um, leading indicator of of what movie making is in this common in this in this current time, where you got very big budget movies and you got very small budget movies. But that was like the last of the very big budget movies that did well enough at the box office that, uh, that you know the people decided to keep doing it. It really is a bellwether. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the digital age and the way we consume and the way we get information. One of the things that I didn't I didn't know about this, and you and I you and I have had many conversations off the air about a bunch of different things. But one of the things I I just came across while researching this is, uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but apparently you are not a fan of the movie The Butler. I, I didn't see the movie. Okay. I read the script. Read the script. I read the script, yes. yes. Didn't, weren't a fan. I mean, you, because earlier you were talking about, you're, you're, you obviously are very interested in race relations in America. I mean, the, the choices you've made in the movies. What was it about the script you didn't like? And was, I haven't uh, seen the movie myself either. I haven't seen it, so I, I don't, you know, but uh, it was, when I Googled your name, this was the thing that popped up all over the place these days, so. Yeah, well, you know, the movie's become a juggernaut. It's made $100 million uh, as of this past weekend. So people, you know, people went and saw it and they ate it up. And, you know, it's, of course, being touted for Oscars and so forth. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm sure that uh, people have enjoyed it. And they will get a bunch of uh, recognition and acknowledgement. God bless them. You know, congratulations. My uh, What the script I read was a pack of lies. So uh, my problem with it wasn't, you know, its execution or anything. It's just that the material contained in the script that I read, and which I understand is also in the film, bears no resemblance on all but uh, the most superficial level to anything that actually happened into the in the life story of the person they claim it's based on. None of none of it of note actually happened. For example, the man. Eugene Allen, who served as a butler in several different administrations at the White House, uh, did not grow up on a cotton farm on a plantation picking cotton uh, in Georgia. He grew up uh, in in Virginia. He was a dishwasher. 
Uh, his mother was Well, yeah, and obviously <laughs> none of that happened. Yeah, that's like that's so on the nose. You could you could I could you could already see that meeting, that script meeting happening and going, "No, no, no, we really need need to make it fit sort of the the no, the popular notion of of, you know, what would be success." So, let's put him in the fields picking cotton instead of having him wash dishes and, you know, wherever. Yeah. Uh, I, I I wasn't let, But but more than that, Dan, let's rape his mother, let's shoot his father in the head, let's kill his son in Vietnam, let's put the son in the Black Panther. None of this happened. None of this happened. Yeah. So if, if any any other group of people were subjected to this kind of, 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 of basically of a contempt that you could lie about a man, they made his wife into an alcoholic and an adulteress, this didn't happen. Yeah. So I think that that, you know, for me, it's slander. For me, it, it is giving the people, it is appealing to the worst instincts of people's stereotypes. And and uh, and then manipulating people, manipulating audiences into feeling guilty, so that they think they want to see this, and they think somehow it's true because you say, uh, Mr. Producer and Mr. Advertiser, that this is based on a true story, but it's not. But how do they get away with it? Though? How, do, how do they take this? How do they get away with it? I mean, they, they, I guess they pay the price. Dan. Ah, I guess they pay. Yeah. I guess they pay the price. Yeah. And critics and, and critics and reviewers, or well, really, are no critics. They're just these movie reviewers assume, I guess, that they're telling the truth or they've taken a small amount of license. But if there were any other ethnic group uh, and they were being lied about and just and, and, and then condescended to with these horrible images and stereotypes with an inefficient and poor director who's lying, uh, they would be screaming bloody murder. So I'm screaming bloody murder now. It, that's a, it's sacrilege. It's, it is a lie. It is uh, slander. And I and I think that he should be ashamed of himself. Of himself. Uh, all of these people who are involved with it, as far as I'm concerned, why don't you do a little bit of research? <laughs> I was going to say that that's funny to me. <laughs> Nobody. Here's what here's what happens. One person writes one thing, whether or not they research it or not, and then everybody else picks this thing up, you know, and that's right. that makes me crazy when people talk about, you know, with with what's happening with media is, you know, the more and, and this is what they want, these huge conglomerates that own that own all of the media and control all of the media is they don't want people out there from the New York Times and, and traditional news outlets actually doing a job and reporting the news. Let's just say this is the way it is and everybody will pick it up. You know, I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I've looked at stuff I, and I'm talking about just things that we do, like, for instance, in the in the in the wine and spirits and booze coverage where i'll read something that is not true you know or, and and you you can sort of trace it back to where it began somebody wrote this and then everybody else just you know now in the days of wikipedia and google you just type it in and oh there it is it's got to be true let me repeat it let me post that on my site let me do this and and it's sad harry it really is and by the way man i I'm looking forward to you coming back to LA because I miss our conversations when we, especially we have a couple of drinks in us. <laughs> it even gets better. Uh, speaking of, how's your uh, speaking of hanging out, and drinking? How's your bowling game? You getting any better? Because you know, me and I you. Know, I, I know you, you've embarrassed me for many years. Oh come on! No, Harry is actually a very very good bowler. You were you like a probably one eighty five, one ninety average. Somewhere around there, right around there, and I'm I'm a little bit not as good as him, but I'm okay. I can hold I can hold my own. I'm all right, you know. But Harry and I were on a uh, bowling league. We're in a bowling league together in Santa Monica, and uh, did we win that league? Let's just say we did. Why not? Right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, just. Um, (laughs) You got a bunch of other stuff going, man. I mean, in addition to the blacklist, which 
again, hopefully got huge numbers last night. It does it does look like a really cool show, you know. And that guy's got, you know, Spader's just got that thing. You want to watch him, you know. And, and I think you, know, you want to watch him. He is infinitely watchable. I, I enjoy being on set with him. He runs the set beautifully, uh, I think. he he uh, He's just a great actor, and uh, he's prepared. He's professional. Uh, he wants it to be the best that it can be. So when you have somebody like that leading the way, you know, you, you feel like you're in good hands. It's sort of like looking out and, you know, and uh, Willie Mays is in the outfield, you know? And you're like, oh, okay, well, we got a pretty good shot. Now, you don't, gotta, you don't need to name, name names or anything, but on the opposite side of that, is it times when you've gone to, I'm sure, but you've gone to work, and you just think, what the hell is this guy or this girl? What, what are they doing? Like, they're not ready. They're not prepared. And have you ever had confrontation, like a real confrontation with somebody on a set because they weren't, because well, they didn't show up ready to play? You know? No, no, because normally, you know, I'm a gun for hire. And it's uh, it's kind of like, and, you know, I'm always, <laughs> again, I'm using sports analogies, but, uh, you know, it's not, um, it is not uh, LeBron James's job to coach, you know, the other players on the team. That's that's the coach's team. So in a set, on a set, uh, the director is the coach. He's the person that has to talk about preparation or the producer or whatever. I'm just an actor. If I can help, I'm happy to do it. If somebody wants a suggestion or needs something and I can, and I'm in a position to do it, I'm, I'm happy to do it to make it better. But I have certainly been in many situations where I was like, man, how the hell did this person get this job? Was, <laughs> Why am I not playing this? Was part? it true you <laughs> thought that about Jamie Foxx on Ray? Was that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to Jamie Foxx while you're working on Ray and hey, listen, you shape up. This is how you play a B flat blues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fun, a funny uh, Ray story. A couple of years ago, I was in New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail, which is the big cocktail festival. I think I've told you about it before, Howard. But I was down there and I was hanging out, and a friend of a friend introduced me to this guy named Rio, uh, and and he owned a big club down there. I think it's called One Eye Jacks or something. And and we're, we get that, and we're hanging, and we're, you know, a bunch of drinks in, and I say, yeah, he gives me his card, and it says Rio Hackford on it. And I was joking when I said this, but I go, that's the same name as that hack director. And he says, <laughs> he goes, it's my dad. <laughs> and it was. But, I, but I'm, I mean, Rio, I mean, Taylor Hackford's a great director, but it was kind of funny. I said, yeah, it's my dad. The, yeah, one it, lesson it you do look yeah you oh, no, Helen Helen Mirren yeah Helen Mirren yeah. I mean that's one of the things you learn in Hollywood I it's funny you're talking about the critics screen I used to go to a lot of screenings back in the day I would I was uh, doing some movie critic stuff a long time ago and sometimes I'd bring friends and we'd walk out and they'd say you know you go into the elevator or whatever and they say well what do you think and I'd always be like shh you don't want to say anything because you don't know who's on that elevator with you. You know, keep it quiet. We'll, t we'll talk about it when we get in the car. You know, too many times, man. That's how you know. You say something and they go, "Oh yeah, I was the casting director on that." You know, man. Did you ever see yep. that piece of shit? Oh yeah, my, I wrote it. Yeah. So, what else you got going, man? I'm. I mean, there's tons of other things you got. Movies that are either coming out or that are in production. I mean, what, what else you got going on these days? Quite a lot, man. I'm. I'm doing. Uh a pretty decent job I guess of juggling right now but I've got of course the blacklist which uh, which we're excited about and which the NBC seems to be excited about and and has uh, been supporting beautifully uh, the other thing is that I've got a movie of my own that I wrote I'm sorry I didn't write it but I produced it and starred in it it's called Mr. Sophistication yes it'll be coming out uh, sometime in the middle of October uh, digitally and on a DVD and then uh, the other thing we're doing also in October is we're premiering uh, 
uh, the first black Shakespeare film ever done. So this is actually using Shakespeare's language to tell a story which we have updated in terms of its setting, not the language, but just the placing of it, into the 21st century in Los Angeles, California. And we're doing Henry the Fourth, parts one and part two um, as one movie. It's been shot, edited, and it will be premiering at the Chicago International Film Festival uh, on October 19th. So I'm thrilled about that. And we're gearing up to go into production on uh, on an Easter play, uh, which we are going to film. So we're uh, we're moving. I got this new company called EMG Exponent Media Group, and uh, we we want to raise the level of the game. We want uh, when people talk about you know movies, uh, they talk about uh, you know Soderbergh and, and, and Spielberg, and we want we want our names to be there too. That's great, man. We, no, uh, nobody, nobody I know deserves it more than you. And it, it might be cliche to say, but perhaps you are the hardest working man in show business, Aaron. Before, <laughs> before we get off, okay. So this will be—it would have happened a week ago, but you did mention uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about this. Would you the Mayweather fight? What are your thoughts on that thing? I'm afraid I didn't see it, but I, I just wanted just in general, you know, Floyd Mayweather. People are always asking me, "Daddy, what do you think of Floyd Mayweather?" And I say, as, 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 as a boxer or as a, or as a guy. <laughs> I don't know if he's a guy. I know he's got a lot of controversy. Same thing with you know LeBron or or, or, or Johnny Football or you know any number of other people who excel. Well, here's the thing with LeBron though. LeBron, here's the thing with LeBron. I don't. I wouldn't lump him in with those. And, and the same thing with Manziel. He's a kid. Now Mayweather. I, I, like you, I don't know him either, but I, I do know that he's gotten some trouble and, and some sh- and some shit. Frankly, that you know, if it's if, what you know, he went to jail for uh, you know hitting a, hitting a woman. So cool. not not cool in my book at all. Not cool in anybody's book, really. All. But yeah. LeBron, I think it's a here's LeBron. He made one mistake, and that was I think, which was the decision. You know, and it was yeah. stupid. And he, but at the end of the yeah. day, the guy's the guy's squeaky clean. He seems to be a good family man. He's you know he's the greatest player in the world, and he can you know yeah. you're not ever hearing about a gambling you know you're not never hearing about anything. Really, I mean, he made that one big mistake, but I think for the most part, I mean, the guy is you know this is what an athlete should be and the way they should conduct themselves. I think. I, I agree. My my only thing about that, and of course, I'm not co-signing uh, for Floyd Mayweather. I, I think he's a great boxer yeah. and yeah. that's all he really has to be for me it's kind of like pete rose look i think pete rose should be in the hall of fame because he was one of the greatest baseball players ever to put now whatever he did that's controversial off away from that in this media age when everybody's got a microphone up you up your butt and you got uh, cameras everywhere you go i'm sure that a lot of the people who are in the hall of fame well, who are golden uh, boxers? Or, or Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. Yeah. Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb was in the in the was in the first class of the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb, maybe one of the most avowed racists ever in in yeah. any sport. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. if he's allowed in the in the Hall of Fame, how come Pete Rose can't go in the Hall of Fame? I mean, it's, I exactly. think I think it's the idea that he that he actually influence the outcomes of games and that seems to be the thing that hangs over him is that he he swears he never did but i i gotta believe somewhere there's evidence that he he influ he you know he actually went bet on his own team and did something as to influence coach, when he was manager. when he was managing the team yeah yeah as a manager but see that's different than the baseball players 
Hall of Fame. Maybe he shouldn't be in the manager's Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. He be, uh, yeah, he should be in the player's Hall of Fame. There, okay. there my, are my, some real yeah, piece of shits. There are some real piece of shits, I'm sure, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Guys that, you know, ph- philanderers, cheaters, this, this, and the other thing. Pete Rose was just a very high-profile thing. But if you're going to talk about cheating, I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, you know... Yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick is going to go in the is going to go in the Hall of Fame in the yep. NFL, but he got yep. caught cheating. He was cheating. He was filming the other team's practices. I mean, every college football coach who cheats. I mean, now of course nobody cares. Okay, of course we all understand instinctively that that in order to have a, a Division One college football any or college anything and be successful, you have to you have to you know you have to cheat. You have to break the yep. the rules as they are established now, which I think will be so. Where, why draw the line at Pete Rose and say, you know, he can't get in, but all these other people that have done, you know, that have done stuff can get in? It right. seems kind of arbitrary uh, to me. Absolutely. I, I agree. I, I'm with you yeah. uh, 100%. And I say the same thing about, you know, whatever the sport is. If, uh, you know, if you're a boxer for a living or if you bash people's heads in and the MME or, or football games or yeah, I don't know. It's not so easy to just turn that off. You know, Floyd Mayweather or whoever, uh, you know, we, we pay these people to be gladiators, essentially. And then we expect them, once the game is over, to, to just become regular people, you know, oh. civilized society. It's, it's, I think it's a big expectation. Of and, of course, in no way am I justifying the things that these people are alleged to have done in no way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that uh, I can, I, I think... The more and more we're being uh, asked in this modern age to differentiate, to categorize. I don't have to love you as a human being to love your to love your uh, skill at this other thing. And I and I'm wondering if that says something about me or if it says something about where we are as a society. But it is an interesting conversation. Well, you know, Barkley. I think uh, Charles Barkley got that started a very long time ago when he did the "I'm not a role model" thing. You know, and I right. think and I think the intent there was. Not that we don't look up that we shouldn't look up, but but at the same, you know, he's no different. You know, they they have the right. athletes have flaws, and look, man, if if people started like you said, putting had a camera up my ass watching everything I do, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't like it, right. and some things right. would come out that would certainly change people's opinion of me. Let's not get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. I, we don't want to. We don't want to. Hey, Harry Lennox, uh, Harry Lennox, man, I'd love to have you on. When you get back to L.A., first of all, we want to get you in the studio with us. Uh, and by that point, we'll be talking about what a, a monumental success uh, the Blacklist has been. Uh, you can catch it on Monday nights at 10 o'clock on NBC. Uh, you also got Mr. Sophistication coming out in October. Uh, when is H4 coming out, Harry? Uh, that will be out. We're not sure. We're not sure yet. Okay. We're not sure yet. We uh, it'll be premiering. Uh, the world premiere will be at the uh, Chicago International Film Festival, October nineteenth and twentieth. Uh, we're going to go, I think, to the Memphis Independent Film Festival in uh, early November, uh, and then we'll see. And then we'll see where the rest of it takes us. But we're uh, but we're poised to do to make a splash with this one because there's nothing else like it. I'm excited for you, man. Yeah. Everybody, Harry Lennox, uh, thanks for joining us, Harry, and uh, we will talk to you soon. There you have it, Harry Lennox. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. How about you, everybody out there listening? Did you like it? Oh, come on. Really? That much? Oh, you guys. Stop. 
Man, you make me feel so good. Um, wow, I'm so wow. Thanks for that. I feel so good about it. I feel like maybe we should maybe we should just go to the, the me as the guest at another segment we're gonna do. No, no, you don't want that. All right, well, I don't really have anything else. Zane's back on Thursday. I want to let you know that Zane's back, and I, he's gonna have stories. He's been all over the place. He's been to Malaysia. Australia. What's the other place, Tyler? Was it Fiji? Was he in Fiji? He was in Fiji, yes. Was that right? Malaysia, Australia, and Fiji? Yes. Shooting Chug. Everybody knows, but if you're listening to the show, you know about Chug. I mean, that's Zane's. Zane did a Kickstarter, raised a bunch of money, thanks to all of you out there. And he went out and shot six episodes of Chug, uh, which is him traveling around by train. The shot, tell you what, man. It's commitment too, because the train from L.A. to Australia, it's expensive, it really is. I don't know if you've ever ridden it before, but it's, uh, whoo, it's a long ride too. Um, so yeah, Chug's going to be coming soon, but Zane going to be back the very next show. Uh, I will be in Mexico while that's happening, so I don't know what Zane's going to do. I don't even know. I don't know if he can function in this studio without me, uh, but let me give it a shot. Um, okay, so as threatened, I am going to Mexico, and I'm going to record something. And whatever it is I'm going to record, we're going to listen to right now. I'm going to count myself as a guest on the show just because I always wanted to do this and intro myself. Well, you're the guest. You're number one on Happy Hour with Zane and Dunn. Yeah. Yes, I'm supposed to be uh, coming at you from Mexico. But unfortunately, I injured my back prior to going to Mexico. So now this dispatch is coming from my couch in Marina del Rey. Uh, if I were in Mexico, I believe I would be at the Los Abuelos Distillery right now, drinking tequila uh, before heading over to the Salsa Distillery to drink more tequila, before heading to uh, tacos at La Capilla Cantina in, in the town of Tequila. I won't be doing any of that. I'll be here on my sofa getting takeout, trying to figure out if I can get somebody to walk my dog because my back hurts too much for me to do it myself. The rest of the trip also sounded great, the one that I won't be on. I was going to go to Arandas, uh, which is a great little area of uh, Jalisco where they make uh, tequila, the state of Jalisco. I was going to go to the Almeca distillery. I was going to tour the agave fields, uh, get out there with the hemidors and maybe, you know, harvest some piña, agave piñas. <sighs> Eventually, it was going to culminate with me going to a Tahona Society cocktail competition. I won't be doing that either. I'll be here uh, bitching and taking painkillers because my back hurts so bad. So I'm going to pour myself some tequila and crank up some mariachi music and pretend that I'm in Mexico. I'm not in Mexico, but I can pretend. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Miserably yours, Dan. Well, yeah, that was me. That was me in Mexico. And man, did I have a good time. It was great. Speaking of good times, uh, fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Have you been fantasizing about your lover? Surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Just listen to my sexy voice. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. What I want to know is what is the item they won't give you 50% off? To check that out, Tyler. Can we can we check that at some point? Find out what item you don't because it's just about every item, but not every item. 
What's the item you got to pay 100% for? I'm sure you'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm going to be on that site, adamandeve.com, right after we get done with this show. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs, you know, for a little inspiration. Plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't even mention it on the radio. I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with mutt mug. Okay. Top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. Free shipping. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type sideshow for the offer code upon checkout. That's sideshow. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. S-I-D-E-S-H-O-W is the code. Adamandeve.com is the site. You know, that's all I got for you today, everybody. I want to thank uh, Mr. Harry Lennox. Thank you, Harry. I want to thank Dan Dunn for joining us from Mexico. I want to thank Dan Dunn for joining us from the studio in Studio City. I want to thank Tyler for doing the Tyler thing, producing this show. I want to thank Zane for coming back eventually. Zane, where are you? And remember, LaFroig Live this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to LaFroig dot com slash live uh, and uh, check it out follow us at the imbiber at zane lamprey at zane dunn show and be sure to check out our facebook page for zane dunn show uh, i'm out of here holiday tips and fun facts from paul Kristen, and dexter at total wine and more my friends still rave about the prosecco i brought last year let me help make your friends giving unforgettable bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends made from cabernet cab franc and merlot it also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss having turkey and all the fixings i suggest an easy drinking pinot noir for white drinkers try an unoaked chardonnay whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday now offering same-day delivery at totalwine.com cheers